The Free For All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Tim Hudak is here, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Mark Warner is an international trade lawyer. Tamara Cherry with Pickup Communications, also the author of the book The Trauma Beat. Good morning to you all. Let's talk about the police budget and we can actually break these uh, two things into two different topics. We'll talk about the rise in hate crimes, which was the object of a press conference yesterday by the chief of police. But back to the budget, $1.2 billion. Let's start with a person who has spent many years covering police issues, Tamara Cherry. What do you say? I say I hope that they get it. I hope that it gets through uh, city council, but I have a feeling it's going to be a struggle, and I think that police probably know that. But what I would say is, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, obviously, that disagree with us. There's a lot of people that thinks we we think we should, quote-unquote, defund the police. We shouldn't be giving them $20 million more. We should be giving them $20 million less. And to those people, I would remind them of what people want. They want to feel safe in their communities and in communities where they historically have not felt safe and in communities that are increasingly feeling less safe, whether the Muslim or Arab or Jewish communities scattered around the city or downtown communities who have underserved and unpredictable zombies walking down their streets. What do people want? They want more police presence and they want to know that when they need help, when they are feeling particularly unsafe, When they have an emergency, someone will pick up their call and listen to their concerns and respond immediately. This is not a case of greedy Toronto police wanting more money. They are wanting enough funding to do the plethora of jobs society expects them to do or at least be involved with. Okay, your thoughts, Mark Warner. I don't really have a a great basis to um, sort of evaluate it. I mean, I, I, I guess this is being supported by Olivia Chow, who's the mayor, who's not been I think uh, I'm, I'm just guessing that I don't know that, but uh, is uh, um, but um, you know, so I suppose she's she's someone who's had a, a keen eye for policing in the past. So I imagine if there were real problems with it, that, that she probably wouldn't have let it get this far. But um, I, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, a lot of the budget for policing does go to salary and labor, like it is for most government uh, line items. And um, I guess that's the question here: is do do we what are we really spending it on? Are we spending it on people who are doing policing or are there are a lot of people who 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 could be doing things um you know pushing pencils that don't need to be paid at the level that we pay our police services our unionized police services so those are the questions and i always have questions about the whiz bang stuff that is often hidden in the back of of uh, of, of, the, of some of these budgets, some of the special things they want to, want to buy. But so I, that's kind of my take. Sure. Uh, Tim Hudak, I remember talking to Olivia Chow, and I think it was 2014 that she was running for mayor, and she said that we spend too much on policing. But I would tend to agree with what Mark Warner just ventured, which is that this budget wouldn't have come this far if Olivia Chow didn't approve of it. I suspect that that is true. And this does reflect, uh, well, look at your lead question yesterday, John. Are we feeling safer today? And I bet the vast majority said absolutely not, quite the opposite. Well, it wasn't the dominant issue. Change was the last election campaign, fighting crime, and a growing sense of unease and decline You know, was a major issue. So, so I like this. I would vote for it. So 307 new officers, uh, about 170 are going to emergency response, and 110 are going to areas like hate crimes, the carjacking task force, and fraud. I, 
a lot to like about this. The chief makes the case that we're down 600 officers from a number of years ago with a higher population growth and more risk. I'm with Mark in this, though, in, in two senses. Number one, you know, how can we also relieve the, the paper burden that police officers face to take them off the streets into the offices or online? The chief is bringing forward civilians to, to do that outside of the police forces, so I like that as well. And secondly, John, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle this drum a little bit more. I, I think we need a second tier of police that will do the traffic enforcement that can be there on the street and then have the full-time, you know, what we think with police officers today, you know, doing the major crimes, carjacking, et cetera. That would have savings, and I think actually improve law enforcement across the board. Yeah, and like so many things in Toronto, we never look to another city to see how they handle it. Paris does that. They have sort of these, you know, not armed cops who are out directing traffic and stuff like that. Let's talk about the hate crime business. And uh, when I was talking with Chief Demkew in our year-end conversation, he revealed not only do we still have those two outposts, which are generally in Jewish neighborhoods, to try to keep the peace and persuade people not to make trouble, but he's also been doing outreach and security at mosques on, uh, on holy days as well. Let me start with Tim Hudak on this one. Uh, good for the chief in focusing on that, both in his, his public uh, comments and then in this budget that's going to assign uh, more folks, more police officers to hate crimes. You know, it, it is it is sad. It is is appalling. It is heartbreaking to see uh, the the increase in hate crimes, um, most against the uh, the Jewish community, second most against the Muslim community since the Israel Hamas conflict began. We we as public figures need to call that out everywhere that we can, and good to see law enforcement trying to stem this ugly tide. Although Mark Warner, what's interesting, I mean, I not that it's understandable that there have been hate crimes since October seventh, but we know what's driving that. But there's also been a rise in anti-gay hate crimes. Yeah, you know, I, well, I think so. Sometimes I think that uh, it's one of these things where, where once people start complaining about hate crimes, other people sort of get in on the act as well. I really do think there's sort of, sort of a demonstration effect from it. I think we have to be very careful with this stuff. Um, and I always go back to definitions, and I know that's boring, but I need to know what they're calling a hate crime when they talk about a spike. Like, because even when you look at some of the charges that laid in connection with some of the uh, the demonstrations around Indigo, they created a charge that, to my mind, had nothing to do with the Criminal Code of Canada, as I understand it. They said it was charged with mischief, and they said hate-inspired mischief. Well, there is no charge of hate-inspired mischief in the Criminal Code. There's hate, which they didn't charge, and there's mischief, which they did charge. So, so I need to know if that's the way they're playing with these definitions then I can't take them seriously when, in terms of just taking at face value when they talk about a spike. Because but, but it would be considered with, an aggravating circumstance when it gets to sentencing, uh, right? Like I said, it's not a criminal. It's not a charge in the criminal code of Canada. So if you're calling that a hate crime, I can't call it a hate crime. And I don't think they'll succeed in court. You know, they tried to do this in Edmonton or in Alberta, and the, and the Crown basically overruled the police. I think that this will go nowhere in our actual court. So. I, I don't. I think with the police. I think that they're. This is anyway. So I've said my piece on that. You can do with it what you want. <laughs> okay, Tamara Cherry. I I don't entirely disagree with Mark on this, and that I, I I'm not entirely convinced that that many of these charges would go anywhere in court. But the focus is. I think the focus should be on that. Um, hate crime incidents are 
increasingly being reported. And John, you you mentioned hate against the gay community. I mean, hate crime in Canada has been going up, I want to say year over year for several year now, years now. But I know for sure last year, I remember hearing Statistics Canada saying that, you know, hate crime, we should say police reported hate crime, because not all of it is reported to police, yeah. has been going up. Um, but I think what we need to be talking about is, you know, how do we get to the root of this hate? Police are doing their job, but hate is way too strong to be quelled by the law. And that's where, you know, I agree with Mark. I don't think that charges, well, I think police should be laying these charges. I'm happy that they are. I don't think that that's going to solve the problem. And we as a society need to look beyond police, like Chief Demke going and meeting with Jewish communities, Muslim communities, all of that. I, I know a senior Toronto police officer who's been going on his own time without his uniform on or maybe with i don't know to to meet with the jewish and muslim communities trying to put them at ease and comfort them and all of that stuff but this really is a problem that needs to go beyond police but i don't really hear us talking about that speaking of uniforms as part of his press conference yesterday the chief unveiled a regulation yarmulke and i'm not sure if the intention is that you would wear it under your forage cap or if it is as much a regulation hat as a forage cap but uh, mark warner your thoughts well, you know, one of, one of the one of the very first uh, charter cases, early charter cases, came from a Sikh officer who who um, who petitioned about the right to wear um, his turban. And I actually think that was one of the worst decisions. I understand why we got there uh, in the very early charter days when we were taking what they called a broad and purposive interpretate approach to interpreting the charter. And I think it's got us off in a lot of wrong tangents. But so since that is the law and we did that for the turbans, then I think we could do it for the keeper. But I wish we could roll the clock back. Really? You don't really like a regulation police or army turban? No, I, I think we live in a. I think I'm a secular person. So I believe we, we should try to build a secular society. And I, I think we've, you know, I, I, I don't know that I want to see these kind of accommodations made to overt displays of religiosity. But I think, as I said, I think that that is a function of the, of the time in which that case came in a very early interpret when everything that had anything to do with the charter was being basically endorsed and uh, by the Supreme, by the courts. And I think that, uh, unfortunately, uh, we haven't pulled back from some of those decisions in my view. Okay. Well, Tamara Cherry, I don't want to go too far down the garden path, but I've always thought that had we allowed regulation turbans in the RCMP, for example, then we probably might have uh, prevented the Air India bombing. I, I'm Mark, I'm shaking my head like what? I'm just like, <laughs> what? You think that was the wrong? I, I mean, I am I, honestly, I, I, don't even understand why this yamaka regulation yamaka is a news item because yeah of course yeah give them i guess they had to put it before the police board because it would be part of the uniform but of course we are trying to humanize police nowadays not not take their identities away police officers are now allowed i think to have some facial hair they're allowed to have tattoos they didn't used to have that before police officers have identities and we can try to I mean, why are we trying to secularize society? I'm secular as well. I'm not a religious person, but I have no problem with religious police officers, whether they are Sikh or Jewish or Muslim or whatever, policing our streets. And I agree with John in his sentiment that I think there is enormous value in showing representation of all sorts of people, whether by religious, race, um, sexual identity, sexual orientation, 
within the ranks. Okay, I want to jump to one last topic here, and Tim Hudak, I'll start with you. I don't know if I'll get to everybody, but Pierre Polyev was voted uh, Canadian Press's Newsmaker of the Year. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, no, no surprise. If I thought about Cross Canada, I probably would have marked my ballot for Polyev uh, as well. I mean, he, wh- whether you like him or dislike him, and very few are, are neutral, uh, he has been a newsmaker. He has been driving a consistent message successfully around affordability and, I'd say, in the housing crisis. You know, his, his tool, that that mini documentary, the 13-minute view on that called Housing Hell, I think has had about 5 million views uh, already, which is an innovation in communicating. So, yeah. I, I think by a long shot, he deserves the accolade. Okay, Tamara, he's taken the party to number one. It's a long runway from here to an election, but he does seem to be the prime minister in waiting. Oh, if he can continue being talked about, I mean, this, I, I think this will probably continue to bode well for him, even between the spikes of real news. I mean, we're even talking about him when he, take, when he takes his glasses off. We're trading him like he's freaking Clark Kent or something. Just every makeover he gets is a it's a top news item. So, I mean, yeah, on, good, good on his comms people. All right. Mark Warner, are we able to think of anybody else who made, you know, w- was more deserving of being newsmaker of the year? I, I couldn't think of anyone. I tried really quickly to run through my head who else it would be. I mean, it's maybe it's just been a, a, a slow year for Canadian newsmakers or something. I felt so sad for Pierre in a sense that in this, he'd really want to be newsmaker next year, I think 2024 or something. I think he's peaked way too soon, and this may be his, uh, his one shot. At it. I think you may be right, but we'll find out soon enough. Thank you all. Mark Warner, Tim Hudak, and Tamara Cherry. Round two coming your way at 8.45. Coming up in the next half hour, Siobhan Morris is going to join us, CTV's Queen's Park Bureau Chief. There was a report yesterday on provincial government financing that was so uninteresting um, that, you know, basically nobody was paying much attention to it but i think we do have to talk about it and especially whether or not the government is squirreling away money planning on surprising us with it just before the next election it's eight o'clock